Welcome, everybody, to The Random Encounter. This is the RPG Fan Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Robert Steinman. I'm joined today by Zach Pinchik. How's it going, guys? Dennis Rubenstein. I got it this time. Yep. Hello. All right. And Neil, and I, pr- I probably should ask Neil how to pronounce his last name before we got started. Uh, Neil Ch- uh, Chandran? Yeah? That's fu- That works. All right. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Now, now, what is it like totally? Like Chandran, Chandran? Uh, Chandran's fine. Chandran, okay, yeah, I definitely should have said that in the pre-show warm-up. I apologize for that. Uh, we got a regular show for you guys today. For Well, as regular as the second episode we're ever airing is. We're going to start out with uh, what I like to call the rundown, which are the games that we're playing right now, uh, either for review or for fun. Moving on into our editorial topic, which uh, everybody should hate in one way or another. Eh, eh, see what I did there? See what I did there? And then... <laughs> Moving on into news, and then lastly, with uh, E3 fast approaching, we're going to start off with some E3 predictions. Uh, hopefully, you know, we can get some ideas out there of what's going to happen, and then two weeks after it, we can laugh at each other for how wrong we've been. So, Neil is our guest today. So Hi, everybody! Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh, boy. Okay. All right, so, Neil, uh, since yeah. you are the guest, you get honors of telling us what you've been playing. Um, lately, I've just been playing a few, like, dabbling in a few indie games for fun, like uh, Ella's Hope by Alderlea Games, a uh, little bit of Whisper of a Rose by Rose Portal, recently finished uh, Rain Blood, Town of Death by... Uh, Soul frame. No, that's but, that's not but, morbid at all, right? I'm I'm just no, curious. No, it doesn't yeah. sound like. <laughs> of course not. Hey, but what I'm really more or less working on for the fan is uh, reviewing uh, the Tokimeki Memorial Four character single box soundtrack. Basically, it's five discs of like character themes by the voice actors, instrumental versions, drama tracks. Apparently there there's like 10 girls in the game you can date if I am to believe the album cover and well what can I say as a fan of Japanese visual novels and love adventures uh, you know dude, dude we're already starting to get into trouble we <laughs> yeah. we get yelled at to be dude busy. hey be careful Toki- you're, tre- you're treading water be careful Neil be careful dude Tokimaki Memorial's a tone completely safe and harmless game and I wish I could see it in English <laughs> Well, that, like on a side comment to that, like I, I thought it was, uh, you know, uh, Persona. You could always like date the characters and stuff. And uh, th- there was that one part. I, I forget which one in Persona Four I was like dating. Uh, I think it was the one who like owned the hotel. I can't remember her name. And like, Yuchiko. yeah, 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 Chiki, uh, Chico. Yukiko, Yukiko yeah. owned the hotel. Yeah, and like she spent the night at my apartment in the game, and I was like, this is kind of racy. Like, I'm kind of surprised that I got away Dude. with it. Dude, the Persona 3 and Persona 4 characters uh, shared lots of tender moments. But that, yeah. That was awesome. That was awesome. Of course A little too tender at times, but tender nonetheless. So what else, eh. what else have you been doing, Neil? Um, that's, yeah, that's, that's mostly about it as far as games go. Um, although... You know, the most recent game I reviewed for RPG Fan is uh, Hexes Force. It's developed by Sting, who also did um, the Depth Heaven series, like Riviera, Yggdra Union. They also did that uh, dungeon crawler Baroque on PlayStation 2 and Wii. Um, Hexes Force Good also published. Yeah, Hexes Force also published by Atlas. Of course. Yeah. Oh, come on. I swear, Atlas should have a direct line to my bank account. They get so much of my money. See, but, but, all, the, but all these games, like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm maybe more the uh, mainstream RPG player out of the group because I have not heard of any of these games, like, yeah. ever. Yeah. They're weird in some senses, especially the Depth of Heaven games where, yeah, they break, they break around the traditional concepts and go, go weird for the sake of being weird mechanic-wise. They really do, but... Hexus Force doesn't do that. I mean, it's a very traditional RPG, and personally, I think it's got what it takes to perhaps be a sleeper hit for 2010. Um, well, well tell, me, tell me a little bit about the game. Like, what, what kind of game? I, again, I, I have no idea what it is. Uh, tell me a little bit about it. What is it? An action RPG? Is it oh, dating sim? Like, what is oh, it? Oh, it's a uh, it's traditional turn-based RPG. 
Um, you can choose from uh, two protagonists. There's a there's a boy whose storyline you follow. You can follow or a girl. The boy is like a very um, straight laced knight from the dark side of the world where there's racial tension between the humans and the furries. And then the girl is just. And then in the white side of the world, there, the girl is like a is a lazy shrine maiden who sleeps through class, and uh, is skips and then, church. Skips church. Yes. Yeah, she's a naughty girl, but but somehow the gods decide you're the chosen one to save the world. So, so it's fairly straightforward. It's not the uh, the the puzzle RPG that the name might imply with the hexes. Nope. No. Nope. All right. Yeah, that's that's nope. the first thing that I kind of thought of. A hex-based game. Yeah. Not. It's it's very it's it's very it's very traditional. It, you know, there's it. You know what? It's like it's really like if you were to compare it, if you were to look at games this year, like Infinite Space or Resonance of Fate, you know. Those I think are more forward thinking, more experimental, you know, more creatively designed. And Hex's Force is about as traditional as it gets. But you know what? The game was really charming. And that and that really won me over. And uh, you know, not to digress too much, but it, it just amazes me how much charm plays a part in how much we value an RPG, you know? It's like like take a look at Lunar. It's a beloved classic, but it's but not because it had groundbreaking gameplay or a complex narrative like George R. R. Martin would write. It, I mean, it's a classic because it was just so damn charming. Should, should I mention now? Should I mention now or later that I hated Lunar? Like, am I am I gonna get kicked off of the of the site for saying that I hate Lunar? Nah, nah. <laughs> I actually, nah. I had a love. I I had a I had a bit of a love hate relationship with Lunar too. It's like, <clears throat> excuse me. It's like. It's one of those games where, you know, everyone was hyping it up that, oh, it's so great, it's so charming. And then I played it, I'm like, huh? That's it? But then I went, then I went back to it a little later, and I'm like, okay, meh, all right. I can see why people think it's charming. On a side note, I, I think we should coin something for the uh, for the podcast because I'm already getting annoyed hearing things like uh, traditional RPG and forward thinking. I think we should just call it like conservative RPG and liberal RPG. So you have the conservative RPG, which just maintains the standard and doesn't do anything new, and then you have the liberal RPG, which is like trying to destroy the country and like do new things. No, I'm just totally kidding. But I, I like I, I kind of like the idea of calling it a conservative RPG because it, it's adhering to certain ideas and not really doing anything new like right. final fantasy 13 could be considered an ultra liberal rpg it's it's totally doing things different i don't know i'm, yeah. I'm thinking out loud I, maybe i'm just no okay. no okay. that's moving cool. on moving on moving on no but in that in that in that case i i would say okay hexes force conservative infinite space liberal okay all right so now uh who wants to go next either uh zach or dennis unless you're unless you got anything else to add neil I got nothing. I want other people to talk to, or I'll just suck all the air out of the room. All right, well, if if you want, I'll I'll take this take this one over. Go for it, Zach. Uh, I I played um, Rob. What might be your favorite game of the year? Alpha Protocol. Uh, through no, 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 no. In, in all honesty, the more I've seen of Alpha Protocol, oh, don't I am, please, I, no. Rob. Rob, you're gonna hate it so much, <laughs> so much. No, I mean, I, okay. Let me let me put it this way: when it comes down to about thirty bucks, I'll pick it up and and try it. But I, you know, uh, Scott Sharkey over at OneUp.com. I mean, he he had a really good argument for the game. So tell me tell me about your experience with it. I now. You know, coming coming from the camp that enjoyed Mass Effect One and that kind of was able to push through the shaky shooting and all of that, you know, I was able to enjoy Alpha Protocol for what it was. Uh, and it certainly took me a little while, you know, for for those of you who are listening who don't know Alpha Protocol, it's the espionage RPG from uh, Sega, and I believe uh, Obsidian uh, de- developed it. So, you know, it has, the, has Chris Avalone as, as the writing lead and the, the lead designer. And so the, on the good side, you know, like I'll just get down to the, the, the basics – uh, the good side, the dialogue is is really well crafted, and it does use that Mass Effect sort of dialogue wheel sort of thing. Except that um, instead of you, instead of just kind of having those two options, you know, one on the top you have the good choice, and then on the bottom you have the 
the evil shepherd choice. Uh, there's there you can either choose from professional, suave, or aggressive, and so those three archetypes are supposed to have. Uh, I believe Jason Bourne is the the professional archetype, you know, that they base it on. Uh, James Bond is the suave archetype, and Jack Bauer. So you have the the three JBs of of spy fiction, and so, um, you know, it's it, that's what they say. I'm, but is there, is there an Austin Powers uh, like protocol that you can go for to like shag everybody that you there, get? Like, there are a couple. Yeah, there are a couple of uh, really terrible lines that that do pop up that make me kind of cringe. But um, I mean, the the dialogue for the most part is really well written. Uh, maybe not the best delivered dialogue, but it's you know it it does the trick and the the caveat that you have is that when you make your choice between you know suave professional or angry and then occasionally execute or just cut off the situation so you can either just shoot someone in the face there's a lot of shooting in the face um uh, as, as, as it should be as it should be indeed but the, it's it's all timed you have sometimes three seconds to make a choice sometimes they give you a little bit longer like ten seconds but it, it's often the case that you're given these really big decisions, these hefty, you know, decisions that carry a lot of weight in the in the progression of the plot. Uh, that you only have five seconds to think over, and um, you know, it really it changed the way that I thought about you know how I was how I was going about the game because you know in Mass Effect there's you know I haven't finished the second one yet so I, I can't talk about that but there are some you know, a couple of choices at the end of the first one that, you know, you have, you know, it, it seems like a tense situation, but you really have all the time in the world to think about it if, you, if you're if you so inclined. Uh, but in this one, there's, you know, a couple of situations where it looks like a character might be pulling a gun, and you have to choose whether you're going to just, like, shoot them right then and there, and, you know, sometimes uh, you make a decision that you kind of regret. Um, and so, I mean, on on the dialogue and story end, it's it's fairly compelling. There are a couple of plot holes that, you know, like I had one character who I thought would have been a, a bigger part of the overall story just not show up entirely, just completely was absent during the, the ending sequence. Um, but, I mean, for the most part, it's, you know, there were a couple of really kind of nice plot twists that, I, you know, took me by surprise. Um you know, well written, as I said. But then, when you get to the actual gameplay, it really starts to rub me the wrong way. I mean, I, I had this discussion with a couple of guys on the board, and uh, yeah, the, I saw that thread. Yeah, it's the 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 biggest problem I see is that is the shooting, and basically, you know, there's there's a little bit of debate as to how this actually works, but essentially, you're given this this fairly large circle for each of your guns and the bullets are you know are promised to go somewhere within that circle um but it you know it's a it's a fairly large circle so you know it might as well be um you know like kind of dice roll generated and you have your accuracy accuracy stats for your guns and uh overall it just I, at the beginning of the game i was playing a, a pistol user you know pistol stealth martial arts and Pretty much throughout the game, I found it more efficient to just go and punch everyone in the face. Um, like no kidding, it's just you know, go, pretty much. I mean, I, I you would I would I would either stealth around and and kind of uh, you know like judo chop to the neck, or I would um, be just kind of run give a flying knee and you know they would go down and that would be that and you know I wouldn't have any issues punching people in the face, but. When when the gunplay came in, they have this they have their kind of critical hit system, which is basically the only way you can guarantee you're going to hit someone. Which I really just rubbed me the wrong way. It takes takes the flow out of the game completely. So unlike say Red Dead Redemption, you know, which is you know one of the more kind of easy shooters that I've played in the past, you know, like year or so, you, you just kind of like aim it, it snaps to the target and you shoot and you're pretty much guaranteed to hit. In Alpha Protocol, you have to like either hide behind cover or you know have your pistol drawn or have your assault rifle drawn and wait for the you know whatever the the critical hit mechanic it depends it changes between the four gun classes uh you have to wait for that to to load up and at the beginning of the game it's 4 seconds you have to wait 4 seconds before what? you take a shot and it just no way. it kills the no flow way. entirely it kills the flow entirely and i mean granted you can you know hit but it just it really disrupts the flow, and if you don't do that, 
for one, you're you're not going to do a tremendous amount of damage. I think that might change. You know, pistols aren't the the strongest gun set in the game, and I might have uh, screwed myself a little there. But it's it really just disrupts the flow, and it makes you feel kind of underpowered. And um, it's a bummer because if this if the game had played like Splinter Cell, which is the most recent spy game that I've played, uh, it it would have been the action would have been so, you know, much more fast-paced. That's what I really liked about Splinter Cell, which is, you know, in no way an RPG, but it's just they, they did everything they could to make Sam Fisher this, you know, a panther. You know, that's that's their kind of code word, uh, you know, to, to be able to strike quickly and just, you know, kill people with maximum efficiency, and this is the opposite of what Alpha Protocol does. Well, well now, oh, well, man. Well, now uh, go, go ahead, Neil, go ahead. Okay. You know, because it's kind of funny if you look at E3s in the past and everything, you know, Alpha Protocol kept getting awards for, this is the game we're most looking forward to, this is the hit of E3, but hearing, you know, Zach, what you said and what other people said, how the gameplay is kind of clunky and all, it's almost like, you know, Game of the Year is kind of turning into Disappointment of the Year, you know? I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing. I'm sorry, go for Dennis. Yeah. Because this just reminds me of another thing. It's like, you know, another game that won all the easy three awards and stuff like that. And then there is another game that we gave a lot of awards for. And look at that sort of Hellgate London. Any, anyone? Ooh. Yeah. Oh, dude. Dude, I was just thinking of that too, my man. Yee, that's salt. That is but I mean, salt. The, the, the thing that I'd, I'd really say about Alpha Protocol is that I actually enjoyed the game. I enjoyed the plot enough to play through the end. Um, and, you know, while that may be a, you know, like a six or seven out of ten if you want to put it on a scale, um, you know, I actually, I, it, it held my attention for two days straight. Like, that's all I played. Uh, and granted, I'm on summer break, but, um, you know, it, I had to work to get around it, but, you know, I mean, here, if it was released before Mass Effect 2, then it would have been, it would have been taken in such a different light, because, Mass Effect 2 really corrected everything that was wrong about, you know, Mass Effect 1 shooting. Uh, and it's it's not the best shooter, but it, it is far more competent. And Alpha Protocol was supposed to come out over a year ago. Supposed to, the original announced release date was February 2009. And I can only imagine that if the game had actually come out then, it would have been receiving much higher praise. Because that's, that's what, a year and a half after Mass Effect 1 came out? Yeah. Uh, well, now, a uh, quick question, and then we'll get the ball uh, yeah. get the ball ro- rolling so we don't go over on time. Not, not trying to cut you off. It, the shooting mechanic sounds like it's the key problem, but is this, a, is this a situation where you always have to rely on the shooting mechanic, or can you get around it by focusing on the conversation system? I know the game also has a stealth system, mm-hmm. and it, I've, heard that, I've heard there's problems with that, but is, is it sort of one of these – like Dragon Age, for example – there's, you're always going to have combat. You just have scenarios where you're going to have combat, and there's no way to get around it. So that's is there any that's way? pretty much the case. Um, that uh, you're, I mean, the, you know, granted, the stealth system is there. It doesn't work great. It's not a great stealth system, but it's there. Um, and one thing that I've been reading uh, recently on on some some other message boards is that if you don't want to have to like deal with the shooting and you really want to get down to the the, the conversation aspects. Um, if you if you play uh, a shotgun build and you really just pump pump, pump, bleh, pump your your stats into shotguns, uh, resistance I think, which is the the kind of health building stat, and maybe martial arts or sabotage, um, which I think sabotage takes that takes care of any of the mini games, which are equally annoying. Um, if you pump your stats into those three things. Um, you can really just go around, you know, with this just shove off build, um, you know, for lack of a more vulgar word. Uh, you, you know, you can really just run, like, just run around the whole game, just shooting people in the face, and and that'll do the trick. Um, and then one one last thing that I will say before, uh, you know, I, I finish my little talk in the game. I really did enjoy it. Um, I the one thing I really liked about the dialogue was that the decisions you make, who you kill what you decide to do over the course of the game does change the plot. Uh, yeah, not not, yeah. not insignificantly. Um, and it's I, I kind of laud them, laud Obsidian more than uh, Bioware, and at least as far as Mass Effect goes. Uh, again, I haven't played to the end of 2, but 
um, there, you know, certain characters that you can just right off the bat kill off, and that will completely change your interactions with other characters. Uh, there's, you know, just I, I watched a there's a video on YouTube, and this contains spoilers. But if you look for like psychopathic Matt Mike Thornton or something like that, and that's the the character from the game. I, I played the game trying to kind of woo everyone, you know, get on everyone's good side. Uh, but you can really you he tried can, to woo them. I mean, you know, <laughs> he, tried James, he tried to be James Bond. Dude. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, like I tried to, you know, I tried to, you know, have have some fun with the ladies. I tried to, you know, get on everyone's good side generally. But you can, there's really, you can go through playing just a sociopath. Like my God, they're just. Wait, are we they're, talking like full on Heath Ledger Joker? Like, like, even, like I mean, that, maybe not that intense, but like, but like you can you can just. I, I do, you know, give my applause to to Chris Avalone for making it such a dynamic game. But I suppose, and yeah, and I'll say, I mean, the conversation system—that's what really has me interested yeah, as far as the protocol same goes. Here. I I don't think I could care any less about the shooting mechanic. It's just that conversation system and seeing it where the only thing that you have to tell what kind of response you're going to give is the suave, is the uh, aggressive, you know, like, and then your character just plays out. I do really like that aspect of the game, that yeah. interest. And and I'd certainly say, you know, if you have the chance, you know, definitely give it a play. I played it on PC, so I don't I don't know. I've heard there have been technical difficulties on the, the Xbox and PS3 versions, but I mine ran smooth as butter. Uh, most of the time, so you know, if you if you have that, you know, I'd say I'd say give it a shot if you're interested in the uh, okay. in the conversation. And if you if you have to work your way around the combat, then go for the the shotgun build. <laughs> the sh- the shotgun like ultimate yeah. CIA agent. Yeah, I mean it's it's really just like just shoot people in the face, you know, with no regard for God what. Dang it. God dang it, Mike! You're a loose cannon. I want your darn it, darn it! I wish darn it. Wouldn't it be great if I could get a mafia like Tommy gun so I could just spray bullets everywhere, you know? Well, you've got yeah, the, the dual yeah, su- dual SMGs if you're if you're into that, but yeah, but yeah. yeah for the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't I was trying to pull a gangster accent with you, but I failed miserably. Shut up. He's man. a gangster clown. Shut up, Muggsy. Hey. Right, so well, it's like, oh, hey, it's like Homer Simpson said. Kids, you tried your best and failed miserably. Lesson is never try. Good reference. All right, all right. We got some old school Simpsons jokes now. I think the podcast is complete. Now, uh, to, to keep everything rolling, Zach, I'm not trying to. Yeah, no, no, not at all. Anything else you want to say about Alpha Protocol? I mean, that's I've really kind of summed up my opinion. The you know, combat shaky. The rest of the gameplay shaky, but the dialogue is really where it's at. Okay. So now, uh, Dennis, uh, regale us with what you've been playing. Uh, I, I'm guessing you've still been playing Strange Journey, but what else have you been doing? Yeah, yeah not much on progress in Strange Journey. It was more so on the Xbox indie game Breath of Death 7, which I'm oh, at the final dungeon at, and I'll be doing the coverage for the site. Is this, an Xbox, is this an Xbox Live arcade game? What, what is this? Well, it's an indie game, actually okay. developed by some people that are lurking in the boards. Oh, cool. Ro- cool. Robert Boyd. Okay. So anyhow, fun game. It's it's built as a quote unquote conservative RPG with some interesting <laughs> tweaks. See, doesn't it? It has a nice ring, doesn't it, guys? It really does. Total Carnage. I love it. Conservative. It's made to it's made to look like a 16-bit game with 16-bit music and 16-bit sprites, and has Dragon Quest feel to it. Which I'm also doing a retro review for the NES one because why not? Just for the hell of it. See, I, I've yet to. I've only actually ever played Dragon Quest Eight, which I loved. I loved. Oh, I loved very dearly, but I, I don't know if I could go back. I and I tell you, I could be. I could be crucified for saying this, but the Dragon Quest game that I personally found the most fun was Rocket Slime. I'm. I mean, oh, I, I, found, I like that I one. Loved Rocket Slime. Slimes are the. Are awesome. Enough said. Yeah, if I ever go to Japan, I am definitely going to get like a slime keychain or something. So, heck, we need more slime-oriented games. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> slime dating. There you go. There you go. No, no, no. We're going to get into trouble again. All right, moving on. Moving on. <laughs> All right. So, I guess the thing about the game is, I like the dialogue, even though there's not much, much uh, in terms of plot or character interactions and stuff. 
I just think it's cleverly written because of all the references that's incorporated. Some are quite blatant, like, you know, just throwing in random game quotes and stuff within the dialogue. Now, you're, talking more, about, you're talking about Breath of Death, right? Yeah. Okay, okay, and, just making sure. And some more, you know, much more subtle that I actually didn't realize, and you wonder why I didn't realize it yet. For example, I was wondering about the strange town names, for instance, and then I realized, oh, that's actually quite ingenious. Because you see, I found out that basically all the towns in the game are, name, are, are using two names, the English version the English name and Japanese name of an RPG game or series, and then just incorporate them together as one word. For example, oh. Motherbound. Oh, oh, oh I cool. get it. Oh, that, that's, that's cute. Thank you, thank you, Neil. That was the joke. <laughs> yeah, and some like you know other games like Lufestopolis, which is Luffy and Estopolis. You know the, the Je- English and Japanese names, and delves onto other. And this is something, again, I didn't notice right away either, but when I was just talking to some random NPCs and just kind of glanced on some of the names and stuff, it's like, oh, they actually named it, named about every NPC after an RPG character, some with just occasional missing letters or name, parts of name and stuff like that. How many are named Flower Girl? Yeah, well, there is Aerith. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> or is she, is she walking around with a big honking sword through her chest? You know, just like, oh, geez. No, but ironically, everyone, you play as the undead. So there you go in a sense. Oh, I guess, I guess that makes, that, that, guess that makes the Breath of Death title make sense. Yes. <laughs> because basically, there was war that occurred in the story, but, and they launched a nuke, but the world imploded upon itself. So everyone's walking the walking dead. Way like to go, it. guys. I like it. Well, I'm a huge Left 4 Dead player, so there you go. Like, I play that all the time, so. Anything, anything else you got for us, Dennis, or, uh, or is not that much? It? Well, not much else. Otherwise, I recently got Hexus Force on the mail yesterday. Thank you, Neil, for that. Oh, certainly. I'll be sending you over Persona PSP at some point. I just need to not be lazy and find it at. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem, dude. Nice. And I didn't play much of Hexes Force myself, but I'm impressed so far, at least the gameplay-wise. There's not much for me to say about the story. La- I ladies, like and- the- ladies and gentlemen, a complete shocker. Dennis loves it. Yes. <laughs> and I guess there's just one thing I really like about the gameplay. It's fa- The combat is fast. Really, oh. really fast. Oh, and let me tell you, if and uh, I think if you press the R1 button, it goes even faster. No, no, that's the thing. It goes really, really fast with the R1 button. Oh. It's like, it just turns like, just basically, it's fast forward. You can hold on the X with the easier mobs, and there you go. In just one second, you oh, win. Yeah. You can fast. Oh, yeah, and you can fast forward conversations if you want to. With the R1, it's, it kind of sounds like the uh, thing that you got when you beat Chrono Cross and you played it through again. And I, I used to just hold that button down during everything, like in the whole game, just to get through it in like ten hours. Yeah, like the normal, which like the, the normal speed, it's perfectly reasonable. Just some smooth, long attack animations and things like that. But the R button, not the R one. Mm. PSP only has an L and R. Yeah, it just goes. Battles go by in a split second. Plus the little to no loading. It's a, at least it's a very fast paced yeah. RPG. We could just grind yeah. grind away easily. Because because I'll tell you, I mean that. That even though I love the conversations in Hexus Force, they were well written. You know, slow moving dialogue. Ugh, that bothers oh, yeah. me so much in Xenogears. Oh yeah, that and Okami with the like. Let's <laughs> <laughs> play that game on mute. <laughs> Anything else to add, Dennis? Or are you? All Not done? much else. So yeah, like I said, thank you, Neil, for Hexus Force, and just to let you guys know. That even though I'm pretty much the voice of reason, the most calm guy of the group, I'm also the residential leech who likes to snatch and borrow things from everyone else. <laughs> See, and I don't lend my stuff to anyone, so don't ever try to get a game from me. Yeah, and I know, I know. I Yeah, I have no problem, uh, you know, sharing the wealth. I give Dennis takes. It's all good. <laughs> and I come over to other friend, another staffer's place and borrow his stuff, and... <laughs> He still hasn't seen it since. Oh. Even that cute hat. That's it. Oh, That's it. I'm locking my fridge next time you come over. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, so, 
moving on to me, uh, I was playing the game of Let's Get Rob a Job this week, so I didn't really have a time a time for anything. I was actually out of town uh, at a job interview, uh, but just giving you guys just a quick rundown of what I was doing this week before that, uh, I lost my argument on Dawn of War 2, which I'm, I'm still upset about, so uh, I will not be reviewing Dawn of War 2 uh, for RPG fan for the site. Um, I think I put... Well, we could always talk about it here on the podcast. I haven't, even had, I haven't even had a chance to play the dang game yet. I mean, it's I meant, just... I meant, I meant for next time, dude. Uh, okay, okay. Now it's, I mean, I, I think I put forth some good arguments. I definitely think it's borderline, but I, I do understand why it wasn't considered an RPG. So I'm, I'm not going to sit there and fight. I did play that game a fair lot too, thanks to you. It's like, hey, you got me interested. I gave it a shot. I, I failed miserably at it, but it's been enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, so there's that. Um, I'm going to be reviewing Oblivion, uh, the PS3 version. I seem to be the retro review guy right now, so I'll be uh, reviewing Oblivion. Yeah, you're the retro review guy. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Dragon Quest beats me a little bit, but um, so here's Breath of Death, which is basically a Dragon Quest clone. So there, you, there. Okay, all right, all right. You win this. You win this round, sir. Uh, but, but I will be. Huzzah. I will be playing Oblivion uh, this week. I, I played the game to absolute death uh, two summers ago, uh, three summers ago actually. So I'll probably just play it again a little bit to refamiliarize myself with it and then put up my review. Uh, and then while I was actually back home, uh, my buddy Brian, I'm going to give him a shout out. He gave me his copy of Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne. So I do have a copy of it right now, and I'll probably start playing it, not for review, just to play. Because that's a series that I never really played. Uh, I was mostly playing Final Fantasy on the PlayStation, so I never played Persona 1 or 2. I never played any of the Shin Megami Tensei games. I've never actually imported a game, so maybe I am like the mainstream gamer here. Uh, so I really want to get more into the Shin Megami games because even though Persona 3 I didn't play the whole way through because I, I got kind of frustrated that you didn't have a complete control over your characters, I absolutely loved Persona 4. Uh, I'm really interested in playing Nocturne and maybe going back and playing Digital Devil Saga right now. So I really want to get back into the Shin Mag- I want to get into rather the Shin Megami Tensei games because it seems like my kind of vibe right now. So hopefully I'll have some good things to say about Nocturne. Uh, in the next couple weeks, but other than that, I really haven't been doing um, anything of merit. So unless you guys have questions for me, I think we could just move on to the editorial section, honestly. Yeah, yeah that's Digital Devil Saga. Does, that was actually my first foray into the Shin Megami Tensei games. Okay, okay. Not, not Nocturne nor Persona. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, Me, I've been a, a Megami Tensei fanboy since Persona on the PlayStation, so I'm kind of old school. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, now, like, what we like to do is we like to have the uh, guest pick out a topic of discussion when they're on. And, uh, Neil, I'm going to let you uh, give us what the topic is, and then we're all going to have a little something to say about it. Sure. I thought it would be fun to talk about, like, some of our biggest RPG pet peeves, because I think we all have a bunch of those. I mean, and what's interesting is that one of my biggest pet peeves was actually... I thought it was actually fun and engaging in Hex's Force, which is the uh, breakable or limited use equipment. Normally, I think breakable. Oh. Normally, I think breakable weapons are just a pain in the neck and designed to just frustrate me. But oddly enough, if if equipment wasn't limited use in Hex's Force, the game would the balance would be off. You know, game would be way too easy. Uh, I, I don't know. I've never played a game where any weapon could degrade. I, I've never enjoyed that mechanic. I mean, even Demon's even Demon Souls, which was like my favorite game of last year, you know, it was annoying because like, I never had equipment break. I just had to go back and, and sell a little bit of currency to, to repair the I, I don't know. I don't know about that one. Yeah. I mean, nor, like I said, 99% of the time, I hate that mechanic. It was okay in Hex's Force, but there are some peeves that I just cannot stand 100% of the time. Like, for example, random encounters in puzzle rooms. Hate that. I'm trying to concentrate yep. on a puzzle. I got that problem with Shadow Hearts. <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, and I'm like, if I'm playing a handheld game, it's it should have a quick save. Hexus Force did not have a quick save. I didn't like that. 
Yeah. Yeah. I have that the PSP battery life isn't that great compared to yeah. the DS. Yeah. I mean, what uh, what are what are some of my other gripes? So yeah, can't stand grinding. I mean. I love grinding, honestly. <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. I'm going to have to disagree with you because for me, to me, the only time grinding is fun is if it involves uh, a girl with a uh, big booty at a dance club. I'm sorry. <laughs> I see. Oh, boy. Oh, I'll, boy. If I have to grind in a, grinding in an RPG, not fun. No, but see, um, I think a grind can actually be a good thing. Uh, the, the example that I used before was uh, Persona. When you're playing that game and when you start off in a new dungeon, it's always very, very hard. Like, the enemies are super powerful. And if you spend some time in that dungeon and you maybe don't go complete the objective in the set amount of time that you have and you spend maybe a couple extra days, you get much more powerful in just two or three level ups. So you're not grinding for very long, but the the uh, advancement of your character is very prevalent. It's it's very obvious that your character got stronger in just a couple level ups. So if if you are grinding like 15 levels, for example, and you're barely seeing anything out of it, then yes, I do have a problem with grinding. But if just a little bit, just a little bit of grinding and all of a sudden you went from being like, oh man, these enemies are really, really hard to, wow, I can just run them over. I mean, it, it really does make me feel good, you know, if I put in just a little bit of time to make my characters stronger. So grinding doesn't really bother me too yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. Fair, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, because even with the Mega Ten games, probably because I'm so used to those gameplay mechanics, I'm usually able to, like, you know, pick the right demons or pick the right personas. So that way I have, you know, the skills and resistances I need where I don't have to grind too much. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely something about Megaton is that the so much emphasis is constantly put on having the right, you know, either elemental effects or, you know, right Magatama or Persona equipped, you know, depending on what game you're playing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I personally, I fall on Neil's side of the fence with this one. I really just hate, because a lot of the, the reason I play RPGs is for the story, and, you know, that's definitely what kept me going through Alpha Protocol, and that's been kind of what's been keeping me going through uh, a lot of the recent RPGs that I've played. And having to stop prog- story progression just so that I can, you know, make my character more powerful in the, in, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it really, it rubs me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So it kind of varies with me, sorry. Uh, I was gonna say, why don't we talk about some other pet peeves? Let's uh, let's not just. Uh, well, I just want to take my take my take a little bit on the sure. grinding. If you know what? Sure, sure. Basically, sure. It kind of dep- it kind of depends with me. Depends on the game. For example, I don't mind grinding if the combat is fast paced and yes. it doesn't take long, or if it's slow but rewardful and it does make a difference. Like with Hexus Force, like I mentioned earlier, the combat is fast. So I could probably be grinding in that game. Just to just as the satisfaction to see how much how badly I could destroy my foes. Yeah. Well, and if and uh, since Rob, you said you wanted to go on. I mean, I got here. My personal biggest pet peeve is if an RPG has chained fetch quests. Oh yeah. Oh, I oh hate yeah. Those. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, I'm not sure if I need to give an example, but. <laughs> There's about 10 million of them in games. I mean, just just that whole, like, oh, I need to go get the cherry uh, to help out this guy. Oh, well, to get the cherry, you have to go and put this square peg into a round hole. It just, it just, uh, yeah, I'm with you on that one. I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, even though I like that game Crimson Gem Saga, it had some really bad chained fetch quests, and that, and those were not fun. Well, Zach, Zach or Dennis, what other uh, pet peeves do you have? I mean, there's got to be a lot more. I mean, I know I have one that I'm saving up, so. I mean, just, oh, sorry, go for it. My biggest pet peeve has to go with the backtracking woes. It yeah. get downright annoying and evil. Uh, backtracking can be cool, though, if, if different things happened in the town. Like, if you're going yeah. back to a town and, and different things happened and maybe, you know, like going back to Midgar and Final Fantasy VII, like you had to go find the uh, the key card to get back in. I really liked that because you hadn't been there for almost 20 or 30 hours. Yeah, I guess like, it kind of depends with me. For example, I, like side quests, you know, things like that. you got to go back and forth to these long stretch of areas, no shortcuts or teleportations and some things like that. With all the random encounters back and right in your way. So, so would would a backtracking pet peeve would this count as that? Like, for example, where you 
get to the boss at the end of the dungeon, and then you still have to hoof it back to the entrance. Yes. Oh, what is that? That's I do not up. like that. Uh, yes. Well, well, I mean, uh, I've got one which uh, goes to our discussion about Dragon Age, uh, and I find that it really happens in Western RPGs more than any other. Is the the feeling like I'm going to break my character? Like I, I have 10 million skills to choose from. I'm only you know three or four hours into a game. I just got my first level up, and I'm sitting there going, "Wow, what what do I do here? Uh, which skill do I advance?" Uh, even more so if you have a game where you can level up an individual skill. You know, Diablo 2, I love it, but when that game first came out. You know, I was playing as a necromancer, and I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll put all my skill points into Summon Skeleton and Skeleton Mastery. But those skills, as the game goes on, they get weaker. Like, they start becoming less and less um, effective. So I was technically screwing myself just by pumping more and more points into these skills, and I effectively break my character. Same thing happened in Dragon Age So uh, with my mage. I just wasn't getting enough crowd control spells. So... I think having a respec option, I mean, it's hard. In order to deal with that pet peeve, you have to have a respec option. But respecing can make a game too easy because then if you come into an area that you're not ready for, you just respec your character real quick, take on that area, and then respec them back to what you like. So there has to be kind of a punishment for it. But you can't – it's it's walking a fine line between experimentation with a game and – making sure that you're making your character properly. And really, I think that onus falls on the developers to make sure that I cannot actively screw over my character just by experimenting. Uh, I guess there's just one solution I could just think of, you know, just an idea. Have a respect option, but only once. Yeah. Maybe twice. Yeah. That'll be nice. I think they already said that Diablo 3, they're going to have a respec option. And isn't it in Dragon Age Awakenings, you can respec your character, like, right away if you didn't like him? I think you can. I believe so, so yeah. I mean, that's that's something um, what, what Torchlight, what one of the mods for Torchlight did was they have a respec potion that you can buy. And it's not yeah. it's not an exorbitant sum of money, but it is a, a fair, fairly large money sink. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's it's you know that kind of balances you know are you gonna go for that you know extra armor or that enchant or whatever or do you go for you know the respec and so I think that's like a good balance between the two. Yeah. yeah. So what's your pet peeve, Zach? You've been you've been really quiet. Uh, it's it kind of a combination, and this is between uh, Dennis's and Neil's, and it, it has mostly to do with talking to characters. And so if you if you have to backtrack to you know every city and talk to every character over and over again, that really works the wrong way. Um, the, the Tales series does this, uh, a little bit. I mean, at least if you want to get, you know, like every subquest and every, you know, little grade, you know, bonus that you can, you really do have to talk to every character after every big plot event, and it just bugs me. Another thing which is slightly, uh, you know, uh, you know, applies to more, you know, a larger, uh, collection of genres is if you accidentally, like, if you're trying to get through the text because you've heard it all already, and then you accidentally hit A again, and it's just like, oh, God. Yeah, you gotta restart, restart the conversation. Uh, that, I mean, that's you know, that's that's a fairly general one, but that's like that's what really gets me, you know, going. Well, then that must mean that you loved Final Fantasy thirteen because you have no towns. Oh wait, you didn't play it. Yeah, not there. Yet. <laughs> I mean, if you still have your copy that you wanna you wanna send my direction, you know. I I, I was actually thinking about breaking it. Uh, I. I yeah. It could it could be it could be so much better used. <laughs> uh, I, I said, what what do you got for it? You know, let's play. Let's make a deal. <laughs> you give me a game, I'll give you. A oh yeah. Hey, well, if I had, well, look, um, if I hey, if I hadn't already uh, promised Resonance of Fate to another Stafford Exchange for someone else, I would have put that one up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe we'll we'll discuss after the show, but you know, yeah. So do we have um, any more pet peeves or? Uh, well, there's yeah. something I still want to mention a little. More about the backtracking, you know, sure. if you don't mind. I guess there's another thing that I just kind of noticed, actually, in some of the indie games I played, courtesy, again, courtesy of Neil, basically, there are some indie games where, okay, you get this item where you could, you know, teleport to previous areas and stuff, right? And then, yeah, it just disables at the most convenient, at the most inconvenient moments, for example. It was, it was a long call in this game called Dark Souls 2, where you had to Traveled through this dungeon, which was pretty far, a lot of enemies in the way, things like that, right? And when you, after you said and done, you have to go to the dungeon and you have to go back the long path. Sure, you got the short teleportation, but for some reason it's disabled. 
there's no plot relevance or any explanation. It just happened. Hmm. Well, and that just yeah, that's that's yeah, that sounds that sounds like it could be just like a bug or something, because you know, I because yeah, that really would that would piss me off if I have a teleport device and then sorry. We sold you a faulty one, but we didn't tell you. Ha ha, sucker! We ripped you off. Yeah, you know the thing is, I even noticed in some other games that like you know the imports, otherwise where you get the teleportation device, yet it conveniently just turns itself off. Even though some kind of makes sense with the story, but annoying nonetheless. Happened with East Seven when I played that in the import, where mm. you get this huge area halfway through the game, you lose all the. Portation shortcuts. They have to go around to gather them all again. Well, I'm, I'm not trying to pick. I'm not trying to pick on you, Dennis. But we are. I, I don't know if anybody else is having it right now. I'm, I'm having a little bit of trouble with your mic. Uh, sounds. Is anybody else hearing that? Or am I the only? Yeah, he's. Cu- yeah, he's cutting off a little bit. Okay, so Dennis, take Dennis, take a second and maybe unplug your mic and plug it back in, and I'll, I'll cover for you for a second. Uh, ju- just letting the listeners know, we we do this through Skype, so I do apologize uh, for mic problems and that sort of thing. But you kind of got to give us a, a little bit of a break there. I mean, we're we're doing this podcast. We're all in different areas. Uh, hopefully, at some point, we'll do a live podcast yeah. of all of us. Yeah. Much better, much better. Awesome. Um, oh, weird. So, so maybe we'll do maybe we'll do one like uh, live. But you know, th- things like mic problems and stuff. Give, give us a little bit of a break on that. We're still trying to get that done. Um, so if the Scott, go ahead. Star Trek Scott Star Trek Scotty Beam technology doesn't exist yet. Otherwise, yeah, I'd probably be teleporting to like. Where you guys are? I don't think I'd want you in my house, Neil. I can already, I can already tell I'd be deeply concerned. So you've heartbroken him. How could uh, you? <laughs> so uh, I figured to keep the pot in the interest of keeping the podcast moving. Uh, why don't we move on to I'm sure Zach's favorite part of the show, where he gets to uh, take over and tell us news, and I get to interject with yawns and signs of indifference. So take it away, Zach. E7 to dis- receive a deluxe collector's edition. Yawn. <laughs> oh, come on! Hey, that, that little Facebook page they have where you could potentially have your name in the game is kind of cool. Yes. I mean, so, so a little bit of, a little bit of background on this. Uh, so, you know, Xseed, who is bringing over E7, uh, they've announced this deluxe collectors, deluxe collectors edition for, uh, the PSP release, and it includes a cloth map. Yeah, a cloth map. Uh, for, and uh, let's see, soundtrack CD. Oh, sorry. I gotta think about where my cloth map is for Final Fantasy VIII. It's probably somewhere in my parents' house. I have no idea where that thing is. Anywho. Yeah. So cloth map, soundtrack CD, sixty-page art book. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, it's been a while since games have included cloth maps. Sorry. Apparently, from when I heard about the art book, basically it's from you know E7 and also Ottenfeldgun and Chronicles One and Two. So three and one kind of art book deal. I always I always like art books. I I really like seeing the art development for a game, like the original vision for what they had and what they eventually end up with. You know, I I, I usually don't spend more than ten bucks on special editions and that sort of stuff. Like I bought the special edition of Fallout Three because you know it came with a little lunchbox, and I'm I'm looking forward to being able to take that into work. Don't judge. Uh, and like I bought the uh, God of War Three special edition because it had like the little mini Pandora's box that you can like put stuff in. So sometimes special editions are good, and th- this sounds like there's actually stuff. Now it doesn't sound like it's on the same level of like the StarCraft II special edition, which is like, wow. Yeah, I mean but Blizzard. It, Blizzard does a, a proper special edition, but yeah, I, I mean Blizzard just—they're Blizzard. Okay, whatever, whatever. All right. So what else you got for us? Uh, now for for those of you who were here with us last week, we had the we had the announcement that fire the new Fire Emblem is going to be coming out sometime. Uh, eventually, hopefully, it's coming coming out uh, July fifteenth in Japan. But there's uh, uh, they just announced this new system called like the My Unit system, uh, which you know allows you to it kind of adds a side story to the game and allows you to customize this unit that you are able to use. And so, I mean, just anybody's take on that? Yawn. <laughs> um, not not real. I'm not I'm not the biggest strategy RPG fan, and uh, Fire Emblem seems like I. Seems like it would kick my butt repeatedly. Sorry, yeah. not too interested. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'll play it at some point. We'll see how this new system goes. Otherwise, not feeling a little different. 
Yeah. I'm I mean, Dennis. I like everything. <laughs> I mean, I, I've I've played my fine, my fair share of uh, Fire Emblem, and you know, it seems like just kind of an interesting way to to boost the, you know, what it, this is the the one with Marth, so uh, or one. Oh, oh, that oh that cheap sob from uh, from Super Smash Brothers. That, that's the one. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. this is this is one of those. One surprises, so. mistaken for a girl. Yeah. Ken, Ken, if you are listening to this podcast, you are the cheapest player ever with Marth. I'm sorry. That kid made me literally throw his like GameCube controller across the room. He was so cheap with Marth. I'm sorry. That's that's a that's like a dagger in my heart right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. But yeah. So it's you know a little bit of extra content to to even out the the older game. But I guess moving on to our third story for the evening. Uh, yeah. Um, for does anybody anybody dabble in in the MMOs, the MMO market? I I know I should actively avoid World of Warcraft because I literally think I would like sell my soul to that game. So so then perhaps a, perhaps a free Lord of the Rings Online might might sway your decision. Oh, uh, it's so, free. It must be good because of course. Well, I mean it's yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh, well, it's. Oh, well, Go for and it. One of, and uh, and uh, one of and one of our uh, new uh, staff members, Adam, he I think he listed Lord of the Rings as uh, his favorite MMO in that recent article we did. Yeah, I mean, I, as far as you know, Lord of the Rings goes, it's very much one of the, the kind of MM, uh, World of Warcraft uh, clones. But I think they they did pretty well to distinguish themselves, at least with the license. But so yeah, so the general just. Kind of news is it's going free to play sometime this fall with the next big update, uh, which is going to have you know continuing the the game's epic story and it's going to have DirectX 11 support you know for for those of you with uh you know destroy everything computers. Uh, then there's that would uh, be mine. Uh, so you're you're gonna finally splurge on that. If I if I end up getting this job that I went for an interview for, I am gonna buy like a five thousand dollar Alienware, <laughs> like I fully intend to. Yeah. So hey, mind if I say something about Lord of the Rings Online? Go for it. Well, technically, I didn't play the game myself, but interestingly enough, when that was at PAX East, there was a booth. You know, they were just giving away those games, the limited edition with the soundtrack, the art books, and everything, but a fancy box. Mm. Maybe with this freebie thing, I should give it a shot. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I have it. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, dude? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. At least like a blind guardian song. At least that. At least their music's relevant to Lord of the Rings. Oh, God. I know. I was talking. The thing maybe we could go back to like the raining blood. You know, just like blood metal. And... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they're they're also going to be opening up the uh, an in-game store where you can purchase anything ranging from you know like a healing potion. To extra character slots, premium classes, and you know even all the way up to you know like a full expansion. And are so I think, out, are they going to come out with an iPhone app and then charge you for it? Maybe, maybe. I mean, <laughs> the, you know, the, nothing in the in the press release about that, but the, you know, there's nothing saying that they won't. Um, I don't. Know, I think the as far as the the MMO market goes, I'm interested to see, you know, just generally how you know with more massively multiplayer games embracing a free to play structure and this isn't turbine you know who's the developers it's not their first uh, massively multiplayer to go free to play uh, dungeons and dragons online went free to play yeah. sometime yeah. earlier this year or late last year please uh, play our game please please <laughs> apparently though it's been really good for sales and you know when you do have those microtransactions feeding your your game you know i'm interested to see you know obviously world of warcraft is is just the cash cow that it is they they're not going to change it but you know it's it's interesting. I'm hoping that perhaps it'll this this will sway uh, future developments and you know yeah. change it. In other news, uh, Blizzard actually bought Uncle Scrooge's money pit, so they have two. <laughs> so and the, and the Beagle Boys are actually trying to tunnel into it right now as we speak. Oh boy! Oh, oh yeah, let's see how many listeners get that reference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh Ducktales rocked. Duck. <laughs> nah. All right, no. all right. Uh, any other news for us, Zach? Or we uh, has uh, I, I guess the the last thing is the there's this new Deus Ex trail. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's it's kind of awesome. I didn't uh, think Deus Ex was an RPG. I mean the the original one. I don't know. The Deus Ex one certainly I, I'd say it falls on the on the RPG scale of RPGs. Um, but 
else on the RPG scale. <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes the words don't don't come out. Uh, the RPG end of the scale. There we go. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you guys have a if any of the listeners have a moment to take check out the new trailer. No gameplay showed yet, but there's uh, it it seems really like I'm you know I had no interest uh, up until now, and I've only played a very small amount of the original Deus Ex, which definitely was an RPG. But I'm excited to see what they do. Uh, with this new one, and there's definitely, you know, kind of to tie into E3 predictions, I want to see more about Deus Ex. Uh, you won't see anything else about Deus Ex. Uh, that's going to be 2012, I would say. Really? You're looking at you're looking at late 2011, 2012 for that game. That's that we haven't even seen any gameplay for it. All it's been is just like concept videos. This is true. I mean, I'm I'm hoping that you know this is the E3 trailer that's that's been either leaked or kind of. Put out on you know of the developers accord, but I, I really hope that they'll either have a presentation or something besides the trailer to show. I mean, I guess it would be at the Square Enix booth, you know, because uh, Ida, oh, yeah, Ida picked them up. So, um, you know, I'm I'm really excited to see what happens when you know at come E3 for that. So, so with uh, the talk about E3, I think each of us should make one E3 prediction. Just to see uh, how well we shoot from this, uh, we will probably be doing a podcast from E3. Uh, one of us will be uh, hosting, and then we'll let people that are actually at E3, because you know, I, I know Zach and I are new, so so we're not important enough to go to E3. More like I don't, more like I don't have money for it right now. But um, uh, so I'm going to start because I don't want anybody taking uh, my thunder on this one. Because I think I think I have an easy one: Final Fantasy versus 13, not at E3. Maybe just another trailer of Nomura's character designs and Noctis being all like, ooh, I'm grumpy. But no gameplay, no nothing shown. That game is getting completely redesigned right now because of the fallout from Final Fantasy XIII. Hmm. Who, who, who's going to disagree with me? On a side note, on a side uh... note. On a side note, Kim also corrected everybody. I was right last week. Fallout 3 does not have scaling enemies. I knew I was right on that. Kyle, suck it. <laughs> I knew I was right on Ooh. I knew I was right. I knew we need a shirt that says Rob was right because I'm always going to be right. And I will be right on Versus 13. Yeah. Challenge me. I guess. Well, well, well then, we'll just, have, we'll just have to see what happens next time. Yeah. Uh, I guess for my my prediction, uh, aside from hoping that Deus Ex will be there, uh, is there, I'm really looking forward to hearing anything about New Kingdom Hearts stuff, and certainly Birth by Sleep should be there, uh, which is you know one of the now. You want zippers? You want more zippers? And I, I have a special place in my heart for for Kingdom Hearts. It's it's just one of one of my favorite series of all time. Well, I mean, well, I mean, get ready. You're not going to see anything about Kingdom Hearts three. You're going to see a lot of stuff on Birth by Sleep, uh, you know, because we're going to have the English localization for that. Yep. So you're going to you're going to see a lot of stuff about Birth by Sleep, but you're not going to see anything on Kingdom Hearts. 3. Unfortunately, I mean, there there is there has been kind of word of Kingdom Hearts recoded, which uh, if you if you take out the the re in that is uh, Kingdom Hearts coded, which was the mo- the mobile phone game that came out a while back, which wasn't particularly uh, fond upon, but. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping. I got my I have my fingers crossed, and you know, maybe with if no more. <laughs> uh, but no. <laughs> but now, uh, no, Neil, don't do the Mickey Mouse impression. No. Uh, <laughs> okay, I promise. <laughs> but now, no, I won't no, do no. Donald Duck singing Metallica either. But now, here's a question. Oh, now I'm intrigued. <laughs> Birth, by, Birth by Sleep is out in Japan, is it not? <laughs> it is. Yep. Has anything come up on YouTube? Because they always put those dang secret movies into the game. Has anything come up on YouTube? Um, you know, like the the secret movie that they put at the end of a game of a Kingdom Hearts game, showing the next direction. Has anything come out like that? Uh, that's when you're first going to start hearing about the next Kingdom Hearts project. There, see that movie. There is. I, I just checked on YouTube. There seems to be a, a secret ending uh, that is subtitled, and you know, for the for the purpose of not spoiling myself on you know what actually happens in Birth by Sleep, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna skip on that. But you know, who knows? We we might be seeing you know, depending on. Uh, I, I'd imagine that real Kingdom Hearts three news will come no sooner than TGS. But you know, oh, no, it's a not man can dream. TGS. Yeah, it's not even gonna be TGS, dude. I mean. 
Uh, I, I thought that the Birth by Sleep video that was in Kingdom Hearts 2, uh, the, the, the uh, one that was in the, the remixed Kingdom Hearts 2, mm-hmm. I, I thought that was amazing. Like, I... My, my thing on Kingdom Hearts is I would actually like it if they would go one one direction or the other. If they would go completely with the Mickey Mouse stuff and get rid of Nomura's craziness, or if they would just absolutely embrace Nomura's craziness. Because you, you watch that Birth by Sleep trailer, uh, the the one with like uh, the three knights fighting around. You know, I'm not very well versed in it, and that was awesome. But there's no Mickey Mouse influence except for at the end when there's Mickey Mouse. Okay, that's a bad example. But uh, but like. It seems like there's this real disconnect between uh, the trailers and the vision for what they have for that series, and then the and then the Disney stuff. And I, I do like the Disney stuff. I think that that's awesome. But that's why I kind of hope that Versus 13, Nomura gets that all out of his system, and he just indulges himself on that. And maybe he returns Kingdom Hearts, cuts down on the story a little bit because Kingdom Hearts' story is approaching Xenogears' level of craziness. So hmm. like. Pull it back in a little bit and put the focus on like a, a simpler to understand story. That that's what I would want Kingdom Hearts to do. Maybe I'm maybe I'm in the minority there. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. So that's my my predictions. Deus Ex Kingdom Hearts. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Who's next? Who's next? All right. uh, I guess I'll. Oh, go uh, ahead, Dennis. Well, the thing is, I'm gonna be pulling a cop out on this. I'm actually technically not going to be making predictions because I've never been these things. You know, there's always some kind of strange twist or some surprises of completely new games or sequel to such said games that came out of the left field. So, yeah. Don't no, really have no, anything you, no, no, you have to make a prediction. You have to. I will not allow this. You have nope. to make a prediction. Nope. Can I make I'm a prediction for him? Okay, okay. Predict, Zach, predict. Okay, Zach's going to make a prediction, and then I will judge you on it, Dennis. All right, Zach, do it. Persona 5. Oh, oh, God, please. Oh, yeah, please, 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 please. But now it would be sweet. Wait, 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 wait. wait. I, want that thing, I want that thing on a next-generation console. I oh, definitely. Not, I do not want a portable game. I really don't. Because I, I, I play Persona, and I get really into it. And I just – I do have an aversion to portable games, so I would not want to play a portable Persona. I wouldn't. I want to see that – if that comes out on the Wii, I'll buy a Wii. Oh, man, I really, I would really hope not because I mean, what was that, Dennis? Atlas. Come on, Atlas, make a port- more portable SMT games just to spite Rob. <laughs> oh. 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 Dude, you are cold. No, if, if they're made to be portable, like you were, t- like when you talked about Screen's Journey, that's made to be portable. But Persona, like you could be caught up in a dialogue thread or in like a, a huge long conversation or in a long dungeon. And I mean, the very nature of Persona is that you go through the dungeon until you start getting too weak, and then you have to retreat. Now, you, you do have the PlayStation Portable. You can put it into sleep mode or whatever, and the same with the DS. But I don't want that. You know, I, I, I don't like that. I, I would rather just play it on a console. But Persona 5, I, I don't think we're going to see Persona 5 at E3. I, I guess I'm judging all the E3 yeah. productions. No, I agree I'm with you there. It's just a blind hope. Yeah, I'm, not sure. hey, I'm not sure we'll see it either. I think we might see it at TGS. We might. I think TGS is a much bigger possibility than... Uh, well, if not Persona 5, then some other Shin Megami Tensei game. Oh, yeah, we'll see something. Or a sequel to one of the yeah. spin-offs. I mean, there, there, I don't think there's any doubt Atlas will show something Megaten. Yeah, but I think it'll be TGS. I don't know if we're going to... I mean, Megaten still isn't a, a huge series in America. I think it's getting more... It's got a really solid cult following right now, and Atlas is just doing a great job of basically spoiling their fans rotten with like the, the special editions and stuff. So Atlas is doing a very good job with that, but I don't think we'll see anything at E3. Yeah. All right, Neil. You're the last one with the E3 prediction. Go. Um, You know what? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure where to go since all the good predictions were taken. I know that's but, first. <laughs> exactly, but you know, I am looking forward to to um you know see, you know seeing if Xseed shows more about those um Legend of Heroes games since I don't really know much about that series. I would love so. to know that also. So I'm look. So I want. So I'm interested in that, and. Uh, yeah, you know, like everyone else, interested in seeing what what uh, Atlas has to bring to the table, and uh, you know what? And what, a, what, uh, 
what about uh, Squaresoft's mystery project? Squaresoft has been dropping. Did Squaresoft? You said Squaresoft. Square Enix. I still. I okay. I still I call predict, him Squaresoft. <laughs> I I predict that mystery project will be that um Final Fantasy Four Heroes thing for the DS. Oh, oh, that would be so dirty of them. That's so <laughs> dirty. They're not a puppy. Dirty tactics like that once in a while. I mean, but seriously, I, for me, best SquareSoft game. Well, okay, Square Enix game I played in the last five years was The World Ends with You. So that was good. And I don't, so I don't see any that series going anywhere. Exactly. Dennis, you were trying to say something in there. What were you trying to say? Yeah, I guess the thing is. No one's Square Enix. It'll probably be something, you know, with something Final Fantasy related, or yet another Final Fantasy VII related project, because there's never enough seven for them. But 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 here's another thing to think about. Final Fantasy VII's been retcon to death. They yeah, no, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to see any more Final Fantasy VII stuff. But I don't think that it's necessarily an RPG product because you got to remember Square Enix now owns Eidos. So we might see, for example, uh, a f- I know that they have the downloadable Tomb Raider coming out. We might see a full Tomb Raider. We might see a Hitman game, please. I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be an RPG, but if it is an RPG, you have to think. If they're showing it at E3, it has to be a franchise that's big in America. What are the big uh, Square Enix franchises in America? Final, Final Fantasy Dragon Quest. No, no, no. I would say Final Fantasy Kingdom Hearts, which gets to Zach's like hopeful prediction. I don't think it's going to happen, but Final Fantasy Kingdom Hearts, um, and that's at Chrono. Chrono, could we get Chrono Break? No, no, not going to happen. Never oh, you know, happen. you know what I just thought of. Uh, remember that the action game that Grin was working on for Square Enix, oh, supposedly. Yeah. Now that now that Square has you know taken over Eidos, there's every possibility. And you know, granted, this is again a long shot, but. Uh, it's very possible that they could bring it back with a, you know, another Western developer and, and kind of work, and, and, go off of what Grin did. And Square was saying that this was going to be an industry changer. This was going to be something that was really big. And I think what Grin was working on, that Final Fantasy XII project, mm-hmm. I mean, I, personally, I don't know what to think of it. I, it just has Dirge of Cerberus written all over mm-hmm. it for me. You know, but, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that's not me saying anything at Grin. That's just, you know, the way I see it. I think that you might be right. We might see something labeled Final Fantasy that isn't a conservative Final Fantasy game in that sense. It's something in a Final Fantasy world, but Square, I think Square is going to come out with something interesting. I don't know if it's going to make everybody happy, but we just have to see. We just have to see. And then we have Front Mission Evolved coming up, and nobody seems to care about Front front Mission anymore. Master, we are Master John. Oh, good. So I can just tick him off more today. Awesome. Sorry, John. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we I never got Front, Front Mission Five. I loved Front Mission Three. I didn't like the other Front Missions. So. All right, guys. Uh, if we're done with the E3 predictions, I think we're done for the uh, second episode of Random Encounter. Uh, just letting the listeners know, we're going to be switching this to bi-weekly. Uh, that gives us a chance to play the games more, and that way we're not sitting here struggling to find content. Uh, I imagine the next uh, podcast will be during E3. Again, we have, uh, I think, four or five people that are going to E3. Uh, nobody from this podcast, I don't think. Uh, so either uh, my- I'm certainly not. Yeah, I don't. I can't right now. But, uh, you know, either myself or somebody else will be uh, hosting a podcast with the people out uh, at E3. So we'll try to get some input. I know I'm going to be watching the conferences very closely, so I may not have a lot of RPG things to talk about, depending on how much they show RPGs at the conferences, but um, I will tr- do my best to try to get some information out of our people that are on the front lines. So um, with that, uh, thank you very much for listening. For Zach, Neil, and Dennis, this is Rob. Uh, and we will talk to you next time.